Hello and welcome to the Innovation Forum Monday Briefing, a regular preview to what's coming up in the week ahead. I'm Ian Welsh. Innovation Forum's Future of Food Conference is coming up in a few weeks on the 3rd and 4th of May in Amsterdam. Coming up a little later, I'll be talking to conference organiser Natasha Bodnar about some of the sessions at the event and who is taking part. First though, I'm joined by Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson, who once again has been looking ahead to what's coming up this week. Welcome to the Monday Briefing, B. Hi, Ian. What have you found for this week? So this week on the 7th of April, which is Good Friday, the WHO will be celebrating its 75th anniversary and also World Health Day. Each year on World Health Day, the WHO pick a theme that becomes a campaign and they urge governments and the public to share stories of steps they're taking on the matters. This year, there's a focus on the theme Health for All. And they're seeing it as an opportunity to look back at public health successes that have improved the quality of life over the last seven decades, but also as an opportunity to motivate action to tackle health challenges of today and into the future. Obviously, then, climate change is going to be a big issue. Climate is regarded by many as the greatest risk for health. How is the WHO focusing on climate this year? They're taking this more holistic view of health for all this year, but that's really building on last year in which the theme focused on the intersection of climate change and health. And it highlighted that an estimated 13 million deaths around the world each year are due to avoidable environmental causes, including the climate crisis. So what else is WHO's World Health Day focusing on? So this health for all theme is overall going to be about pushing for progress so that the health related sustainable development goals can be met. The main one of these is obviously to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being at all ages. The emphasis is really on achieving universal health coverage. And the WHO is acknowledging that we've had a lot of issues that are compounding health crises, such as obviously COVID-19 and other health emergencies, overlapping humanitarian and climate crises, as we said, and now, of course, economic constraints and war. So this has made every country's journey to health for all all the more urgent. And there's lots of impact for business across these areas as well. What else is coming up this week, B? So this week in Canada, there'll be a federal carbon tax increase, which means the fuel charge is rising by around 30% from $50 per tonne of emissions to $65 per tonne starting this week. So this translates to roughly three cents more per litre of petrol. Canada began carbon pricing in 2019, and this is a step up at this point towards reaching net zero by 2050. What will the impact be for businesses and their customers? For businesses, we have seen some backlash from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. It has been reported that less than 1% of the $22 billion in federal carbon tax revenues so far have been returned to small businesses. And obviously the tax is now rising. Data shows that over half of small firms oppose carbon pricing in Canada. And if the price on carbon increases to $170 per tonne in 2030, as is in the federal government's climate plan, over half of small businesses said that they will have to increase their prices to offset costs. And this will mean that they're forced to raise prices for consumers, which isn't a very attractive or easy option for small businesses to take. At the individual consumer level, currently it's kind of an incremental increase. It won't be a huge change for people that they will notice, being also that petrol prices are already quite high at the moment due to other geopolitical causes. But it might impact people in other ways in the future. Aviation petrol is also going up by roughly 3.5 cents a litre. So you can imagine that down the line, this might lead to higher airfares for people. Okay, well, I think everyone accepts that there are going to be increases in costs related to these fuel duties. What do other countries do on equivalent carbon taxes? Yeah, so momentum has been building around carbon pricing globally as we get closer to big benchmarks like 2030 and 2050. 
The World Bank reports that some 40 countries and more than 20 cities, states and provinces already use carbon pricing mechanisms and more are planning to implement them in the future. Countries that already have them include the EU, Chile, Mexico, South Africa and the UK, to name a few. And countries that might be considering them include Turkey and Vietnam, Brazil, Indonesia. Together, the carbon pricing schemes now in place cover about half of their emissions, which translates to about 13% of annual global greenhouse gas emissions. Lots to cook for there, B. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ian. The Innovation Forum team is working hard on developing our 2023 spring conference season. Over the coming weeks, up to the end of June, we'll be discussing sustainable apparel and textiles, the future of food and business and climate action on scope 3 emissions. A couple of days ago, I caught up with Innovation Forum's Natasha Bodnar to hear about some of the participants and discussion points on the agenda at the Future of Food Conference on the 3rd and 4th of May in Amsterdam. Welcome back to the podcast, Natasha. Hi, and thanks for having me. We've still got some really interesting sessions coming up at the event at the beginning of May. We're going to be talking about sustainable sourcing at scale and how effective procurement can deliver sustainable commodity sourcing. What are you hoping to get from the session? I'm really looking forward to the session. There's a huge disconnect between climate connecting practices. So we're hoping that we'll be able to hear about what the role of procurement is playing in reaching these net zero and climate targets. There's definitely a sense that procurement professionals now are right at the front of driving progress on decarbonisation, on thinking about net zero and really delivering. We've got Domino's Pizza and JBS on the panel. What are they each bringing to the conversation? They're going to be sharing some interesting practical examples of sourcing practices that they've seen have proven to deliver sustainability results at scale. We'll also be asking them to discuss how climate targets are impacting the way that food and drinks brands are engaging with their supply chain partners. And also importantly, what does supply chain transformation look like in practice for these procurement systems? Another panel that caught my eye is the panel we're going on the second day looking at regenerative agriculture in particular and thinking about the scope for scale and adoption across the global supply chain. What's going to be coming up at that session, do you think, Natasha? This is a huge area, isn't it, Ian, with all the buzz in this space. This is going to be discussing some of the potential for regenerative agriculture to be scaled up in order to transform these traditional supply chains. We're going to be asking our panel to discuss the limits of regenerative agriculture and what they've been doing to overcome these and how, in fact, it is going to be scalable. Lots of big companies have made significant commitments. I mean, we've heard from the likes of Unilever, McDonald's, Danone, Nestle. All the big players have made enormous commitment. It's going to be really interesting to hear what our panelists are doing in this space. We've got Mars, we've got Kraft Heinz, we've got Yara and we've got Region Agri on the panel. What are you hoping to hear from these panellists in particular? It's a large panel. A lot of them are doing some really interesting things in the regenerative agriculture space. We're going to be asking them what they a, have been seeing that they've been doing, but what they really think is needed to create this change and how it's going to be possible to scale regenerative agriculture to being something that could be more widely used. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from them all. How can our listeners get involved? The best way to get involved is to register online on the Future of Food website, or you can email me directly. We do still have some passes left. So definitely if you're booking, I would recommend joining as a group. It is a very large conference with four separate tracks. So if you want to ensure that you're getting all of the content, then please do join as a team. And if you're going to be doing that, then email me. Otherwise, you can join on the website. And if you book by Friday, the 7th of April, you'll receive a 200 euro discount. Good point, Natasha. 200 euro discount if you register for your passes by Friday, the 7th of April. Natasha, looking forward to the conference very much. Me too, Ian. Can't wait. 
It was great to see so many long-standing colleagues at Innovation Forum's Responsible Sourcing and Ethical Trade event last week in London. Thank you to all the podcast listeners who came to say hello. There were some reflections on the conversations at the event on the podcast last week and will be more to follow in the coming weeks. And don't forget to register this week if you want to attend the Future of Food conference in Amsterdam on the 3rd and 4th of May to take advantage of the €200 discount on event passes. But that's all for now. Have a great week and goodbye.